Welcome to With You in the NICU, a podcast for infant patients' parents and practitioners. Each episode aims to last as long as a pumping session for mom, or you could listen to several while you practice skin-to-skin with baby. With You in the NICU is produced by the Canadian Premature Babies Foundation. This episode is made possible by presenting sponsor Medela with support from AbbVie and Prolacta. Your host for With You in the NICU is Jenna Morton, a parenting journalist and mother of two preemie boys. Welcome to episode 12 of With You in the NICU. I'm your host, Jenna Morton. This episode is once again focusing on breast milk, this time more with mom in mind. If you listened to our first episode, you heard my conversation with Dr. Rebecca Hoban, the Director of Breastfeeding Medicine at Toronto's Hospital for Sick Children. We talked mostly about the importance of human milk, particularly for premature infants. So in this episode, we're focusing more on the mechanics of pumping and producing milk. And to talk about this, I'm joined by Doris Sawatsky-Dixon. She's a board member of Canadian Premature Babies Foundation, as well as a retired clinical nurse specialist, NICU educator, and lactation consultant with more than 30 years experience in the healthcare industry in Winnipeg. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Jenna. It's really great to be here. I'm very excited for this conversation. I think it's going to be very helpful for a lot of people. I'm wondering if we could start maybe with your first step, the first thing that you want moms to keep in mind when it comes to producing breast milk. The first thing I always say to a mom is relax. Don't focus on volume, focus on your baby and do the best you can. So often moms uh, feel a lot of pressure, pressure that they put on themselves, pressure that's put on by healthcare workers, um, pressure that's put on by family members, that you're now the producer of uh, everything that is nutritional for your baby. That's really hard to do, to set that pressure aside and um, just focus on doing the best you can and keeping yourself healthy. Uh, think about supporting your own, um, your own health, your own nutrition. And if you do those things, then the breast milk will take care of itself. And always remembering that breast milk, breast milk is one of those things that it's not an all or nothing scenario. Whatever you can produce has a positive impact for your baby. Whatever it is, if it's drops, if it's buckets, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you're not providing value to your baby. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is that if things don't go perfect, it's not your fault. And I know blame is, is such a common theme for, for uh families of premature babies and and thinking, what could I have done differently? What could I have done better? Um, So helping people to set that aside and just say, these things happen, they're beyond my control, but I can do what I can do. And uh, so starting from there in that, you know, it's, this is a group effort. Um, It's not just a mom producing milk for a baby. It's, it's a group effort. Everybody needs to participate. Uh, dads provide support, grandmas, whoever's in your family circle provides the support necessary to allow these things to happen. And healthcare workers provide uh, encouragement, coaching, 
um, and emotional support and informational support so that it's, it's this whole team is trying to do the best for the baby. And so focusing on the baby and then mom also focusing on herself. That's, that's usually where I start. And when it comes to the actual mechanics of it, of getting things started, what, what are some of the first steps that mom can be, can be taking to, to try to get those drops to show up? So the first step is probably going to be um, too late for a lot of the moms that are listening to this podcast, but I'm hoping there are healthcare workers that listen to the podcast. Really early, an early start in breast stimulation is, has really been shown to help long-term success. Um, getting moms to do hand expression, put a pump on there, uh, whatever it is they can do to get breast stimulation, to get anything, um, anything that they can do to, to get any little drops out, kind of let the breasts know that wake up, it's time to get moving in the first six hours after a baby's born. Often, a lot of the NICU moms aren't very well in those first six hours. So if you miss the boat, it's not, it's not over for you, but just getting things going uh, in whatever way is possible. Not everybody can afford the best pumps, um, but if you can maximize your use of the pumps that you've got in the hospital, but everybody or most moms have a pair of good hands and hand expression methods um, have been have been shown to be quite effective, especially in those early, those early hours, those early days, where you're not making large volumes of milk. And babies don't need large volumes of milk at the beginning. There's lots of great YouTube videos on hand expression. I encourage people to, to look for them because it's not an easy thing to describe without watching somebody do it. I do caution, when you start looking on YouTube for breast hand expression, do not have small children in the room with you. <laughs> Careful searching. Uh, I had a family group going and um, the link that I normally use to demonstrate hand expression had gone missing or dead or something. It wasn't up anymore. So I had to do a quick search. Well, uh, we did see a few things that maybe um, had there been small children in the room might have been a little shocking. So you have, to, you have to judiciously search, but there are a lot of beautiful videos produced, um, produced by uh, healthcare organizations on how to do hand expression. And so when a mom is looking for that or a nurse is looking for one to assist a mom, look for videos on, on YouTube. There's lots of good ones that have been produced by reputable healthcare organizations. And there are really three simple steps to hand expression, um, and you'll find them in uh, all of the good videos and watch them in practice. Getting that going is really important. And then using hand expression in addition to pumping. And so when we talk about hands-on pumping, when you're doing double pumping, it's great to do that, and it has been shown to increase the volumes that you get. Um, but then to do hand expression after pumping is helpful. It, it, you can get 20 to 30 percent more milk, and also if you're if you do double pumping and then pump each breast separately for a few minutes while also doing some hand expression at the same time. So I always talk to the mom that we to the moms that I've worked with. Um, it would be helpful to be an octopus and have eight arms so that you could hold everything in place. So you do the best that you can. 
which is why you pump and then you do hand expression after. It's a little easier to, to work all the equipment. The various devices that hold your pump in place are expensive, um, can be helpful for a lot of people, but really aren't necessary. Uh, I really don't encourage people to spend a lot of money on devices and gadgets um, because there's so much that you can do um, without them and they, they're not necessary. You can sometimes even fashion your own uh, ways to do that. Um, so in terms of logistics, using your hands and, and there's something about hands that is different than that plastic pump. And a lot of people really can't get their minds past that psychologically that they're providing milk to a piece of plastic. And the psychology of breast milk is huge and breastfeeding. We need those warm, fuzzy feelings. Um, so cover the breast pump with a fuzzy blanket. Have a blanket that's been wrapped in your baby with you so that your body gets the scent of your baby. The very best way is pumping beside your baby. Pump with your baby in your arms if your baby's unable to, to breastfeed. Um, Having the breast pump at the bedside is something that families should advocate for in their NICUs uh, as best that they can because logistically, you just get more milk. So utilize the time with your baby. When you're pumping, pump right after you've seen your baby or held your baby. Anytime you do skin-to-skin -skin care, pump before, do your skin-to-skin -skin care for a couple of hours, and then pump after. Um, so that you really maximize that psychological response that you get when you are close to your baby, when you're with your baby. And some people find that they, they have a toy. There's a lot of places that have uh, different kinds of cloths that maybe your baby will lie on the cloth and then you'll take it home with you. So it, you'll put it under the baby's head and you'll have the smell of your baby. Also a cloth that you can put inside your bra and will, will take on the scent of the breast milk and then you put that under your baby so you sort of keep those claws circulating between you and your baby and it's a way that you can kind of connect mom and baby together through scent that um, that triggers the hormones um, that we don't otherwise see with a plastic pump that's really interesting i'd never thought of the idea of a blanket that had been with baby to be with mom for that purpose, for the breast milk purpose, I've, I've heard of it and thought of it in terms of wanting to leave something with your scent with the baby, but not in terms of that way. It, it, that's very, a very good tip. And I also, when you talk about, you know, fashioning devices on your own, so you don't spend all the money on these, you know, you could spend thousands of dollars easily. But personally, I remember having a $4 sports bra that I cut little slits in. <laughs> and that was, you know, that was all I needed to have that little extra, like, yeah, I can keep my hands a little free. And when, the, when all the pumping was said and done, that was just $4 that was done with. <laughs> Absolutely. That, those kinds of things really do the trick. You really, I, I, I don't um, advocate a lot of these, even, even these skin to skin wraps that cost $50, $60 or more. Um, if hospitals can get um, funding to provide them for moms, they're great. There's lots of simple things people do. Um, you can just get um, a tank top and work really well. The key is um, safety for mom and babe. You want, when, when doing skin to skin, you want them to be safe. So you want um, a place to sit that a mom can actually fall asleep because it is inevitable that a mom is going to fall asleep with her baby on her chest. So you want to be sure they're well supported 
and that the baby is well secured. And they can be well secured in a tank top and, and just um, make sure that there's, uh, you, you utilize pillows, rolled up blankets, anything uh, to ensure that that mom and babe can uh, rest safely together. And speaking of safety, I know a concern that comes up a lot for, for new moms is that question of, you know, what can I be eating? What can I be drinking? What, what am I doing that might be impacting my milk for the baby? And so what are some of the things that you want moms to know when it comes to that issue? The first thing that, that I can tell moms we know for sure is that what you need to do is drink water. Water, the new Canada Food Guide, is an excellent guide for nutritious eating. And that's really what they should be following. And the only drink you really need is water. So you start with that. Um, there's a lot of people will tell you you need to drink milk. But we need to ensure that moms are careful about drinking cow proteins. Because cow proteins can get into your breast milk. The breast is an excellent filter for all sorts of substances. It's better than the brain in terms of filtering out things that are in our blood. But sometimes the proteins from cow's milk can get into your breast milk. And so that the baby can have an exposure to cow's proteins if the mom is drinking a lot of milk or having a lot of dairy products. So I do caution moms not to overdo it on the dairy products. Continue to take their um, pregnancy vitamins. It takes two years to recover from having a baby. It takes your body that long to replenish the stores of vitamins and minerals that you've been putting into your baby. You actually put more vitamins and minerals into your baby through your breast milk than you even did in your pregnancy when you think about the size of baby that you're now nourishing. So you need to continue to rebuild your body in that way. So eating nourishing foods and generally nourishing foods are plant-based foods. And there's really no plant-based foods that have been proven to be a problem for breastfeeding mothers. So that's kind of the basis that you're working on. Now, if there's a food that bothers a mother, um, bothers their stomach or their system, then that's a food that they should avoid. So some people have trouble with um, gas-producing vegetables, and so you would avoid those. But there are a lot of other vegetables that you can eat that are equally as nutritious and maybe don't bother your system. So start with that. Um, certainly Canada's Food Guide is encouraging a lot less um, animal proteins, and, and I highly advocate that. There's a reason why um, we've seen that animal proteins in newborns can be a problem for them and human proteins are the best. So we know that's why breast milk is best because it's a protein and it's, it's all of the other things that go with that protein um, and, and sugars, the right sugars that um, are the best for the baby. So um, having a primarily plant-based diet with whole foods, stay away from processed foods. There's a lot of chemicals in processed foods and we don't know how many of those are getting into your breast milk. Um, so that's kind of the best advice I can give is follow Canada's food guide, focus on plant-based whole foods. And what about in terms of caffeine? Because obviously that's one that, you know, there, there, there's a lot of lore out there as to whether it's okay or not okay for moms to have caffeine. It, that, that's a really good question. And again, the research hasn't shown that caffeine in and of itself is bad for babies. So if having a cup of coffee is something that helps a mom uh, relax, maintain their routines, it's not been shown to hurt your baby. 
if you're drinking five, six more cups a day or of, of whatever it is that contains caffeine, then you really have to be thinking about it because caffeine gets into your breast milk. That's been shown. And, and so do you want your baby to stay awake because of the caffeine? Because it certainly has been demonstrated to do that. So you want to ensure that, that you're not exposing your baby to high levels of caffeine. Now, that being said, there's ways to, to mitigate that. You can uh, pump and then have your morning cup of coffee. And so the caffeine is uh, largely out of your system by the time you make milk for your next time that you pump. So there's, there's ways that you can do that. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't think it's realistic to tell people absolutely no caffeine when you're breastfeeding because the evidence doesn't support that. Um, it certainly shows caffeine to excess and there's various levels um, that they talk about. So I'm not going to pick one here because you can find evidence to support just about anything. But if it helps you to relax and get your day going in a way that's going to actually support you continuing to pump, then if that's what you need to do to continue to pump. And that's really a common theme in the interactions I have with moms. What, what is it that's going to help you to succeed in continuing to provide breast milk for your baby? And if, if that's having a cup of coffee every morning, then go for it. Um, so, you know, everybody's individual and I don't think there's a cookie cutter approach to breastfeeding or to making breast milk. Again, it kind of comes back to the health food guide, like you're talking about, right? You know, everything in moderation, you know, if, if you're not excessive about it, you can probably make it work for you. That's right. A lot of moms will get to a point where they're worried about supply. And certainly there are a lot of worries for NICU moms, especially about your supply decreasing because you're relying on the pump. And what advice and tips do you have for moms who are worried about that issue? Well, I think this is the number one question that I dealt with with moms um, over the last 20 years. Um, milk supply kind of naturally decreases when you're pumping and not having a baby at the breast. So again, it comes back to, it's not your fault. It's almost expected that your milk supply will peak and then it will start to decline at around a month for some people a little sooner, for other people a little later. And, and there are the occasional moms who never have a milk supply issue and um, uh, you know, they're very fortunate, but most, most NICU moms after around a month do have some issues and partly it's that that pump isn't the same as a baby. Uh, there's a few things that you can do even before the supply issue happens to, to try to prevent it. It starts with frequency. And um, even Dr. Hoban said, pump frequently. And nurses will tell moms, pump every three hours. Well, what does that mean for the, for the mom who's got so many other things on the go? Their baby's in the hospital, they're living X amount of kilometers away from the hospital. They have so many other responsibilities. How do you pump every three hours? It's almost impossible, I have to think, to pump exactly every three hours. And it's really unrealistic to pump every three hours because you're in the car, you're driving a child to school and it's suddenly three hours. So what do you do? Well, you either skip that pumping or you delay that pumping. And eventually at the end of the day, you're, you've started to fall behind just because life is busy. Sometimes you just emotionally can't bring yourself to do it at that moment. So one thing that I start with moms uh, as early as possible is to examine their routines. Look at your routines and your responsibilities 
And how can you best utilize the time you have to pump as often as you can? You're aiming for six to eight a day. And a lot of people will say, absolutely eight. Um, having had to do some pumping myself, eight is a lot. If you can do that, you get a gold star. So then you look at your body. When does your body make the most milk? Well, it makes the most milk in the morning when your prolactin levels are the highest. So you might want to pump a little more often first thing in the morning. And when I go over a mom's daily routines, you talk about, well, what time do you get up in the morning? And what time do you usually go to bed? You try to pump the very first thing in the morning and the very last thing before you go to bed. And then you try to fit one in in between. So that way you're getting up only once at night and you've already got three pumpings done right there. After that, you kind of go with the flow. So you're not going to go every three hours on rigidly, but you're going to look at what fits. When you go and see your baby, the hospitals have pumps that cost $1,500, a much better pump than you can use at home. So pump two or three times in the hospital, even if you're only there for a few hours, because you're getting a better pump, you're close to your baby, you're probably or possibly a little more relaxed now that you've seen your baby and you've seen how your baby's doing. So the more relaxed you are, the more likely you're going to make milk. So you kind of utilize the hospital pump and, and the environment around your baby. Uh, pump right after you've had physical contact with your baby because your body's going to respond. And find ways to fit in pumpings without really worrying about the clock, but kind of uh, maximizing the opportunities. So that way you're, you're going to have a less likelihood of a, a, a drastically decreased milk supply. The other thing that often happens is as the milk supply starts to go down, the actual time of pumping goes down because moms will pump till it stops flowing and it starts with 15 minutes and pretty soon it's 12 and then it's 10 minutes and then it's five. And you realize that you're only pumping for five minutes. So keeping track of things really helps. And there are a lot of great apps out there for keeping track so that you can see, oh, it's only 10 minutes now and I've stopped flowing. So maintain that 15 minutes of pumping so that you're telling your body something. I need you to make milk. And that will kind of push your body to make a 15 minute of pumping supply rather than a 10 because it will start to cheat on you. It's kind of like a toddler trying to get away with things. So, you know, you kind of are, are tricking your body. The whole thing about pumping is tricking your body. You can, you can use breast massage before you pump and then hands-on pumping and some of those other things after. One of the strategies that I have seen work for a lot of people is called power pumping. And power pumping is kind of, and it's a great way to get a bunch of pumpings in in a short period of time. So um, find an hour of the day that you don't have other distractions. Maybe your other children are in bed, uh, dinner dishes are done, uh, you know, you, you've talked to the hospital, your baby is settled, um, you know, you're watching a good trashy soap opera or something. So you can listen to music or whatever it is for one hour where you can sit down and do a power pump. And how a power pump works is this. You actually pump for 20 minutes straight. Don't look at volume, just pump for 20 minutes straight. And then you take a 10 minute rest. And then you pump for 10 minutes and take a 10 minute rest. And then you pump for 10 minutes again. So you really are kickstarting your body. For one hour, you're basically doing two and a half pumps. So power pumping uh, is something you can do to get your milk supply going at the beginning 
It's something you can do periodically to prevent the milk supply from dropping. And it's definitely something that can help to kick your milk supply back up. And a lot of the moms who have established a good milk supply and then it dwindles usually can find ways to get the milk supply back up because you know your body has the capability. So power pumping, 20 minutes on, 10 minutes off, 10 minutes on, 10 minutes off, and then a final 10 minutes. So one full hour, you've got a bunch of pumpings in and your body is kind of woken up to making milk. The last thing in terms of supply I want to talk about is, of course, medications and herbs. And that comes up all the time. And um, definitely they can work. Uh, Domperidone is the most common medication used in Canada. Maxaran is the most common medication used in the U.S. Maxaran tends to have more side effects. It crosses the blood-brain barrier, and so it can make moms feel sleepy. Domperidone is quite effective. And it really has shown, and we did a little study in Winnipeg a lot of years ago, just looking at prolactin levels. And we saw the more you took, the higher it kick-started your prolactin levels. But there are some concerns about domperidone in, in some research in older people with heart uh, issues that domperidone had some side effects they didn't want. Most of the moms making breast milk are young moms. So I really encourage them to talk to their own doctor, their obstetrician, to get a prescription because it really is helpful. But it's not a milk-making pill. It's not a magic bullet. It only works when you're doing all of the other things. So you can't pump twice a day and expect the Domperidone to give you a full-day supply pumping twice. There's lots of herbs out there that claim to help uh, milk supply, and some of them do. You don't always know what you're getting with herbs in terms of the bottle that you buy. Does it have the medicinal properties that another brand has. So you can try them. They are not cheap. So you're not saving money by using herbs instead of medications, but they can work better for some people than others. Many of them have been used for centuries. Uh, fenugreek is one of them that's been used for centuries in um, Indian cooking and in health. So we can make more assumptions that it's safe. Uh, there are better guidelines for the manufacturers of these products um, and if they've registered them then usually they're more reliable so you know moms can talk to their own uh, lactation consultants and lactation clinics about what their experience is with the various herbs and um, they can help them out with that and what about the lactation cookies i see that recipe float around lots of times is there any is there food that can be helpful you know, lactation cookies probably just incorporate some of these herbs into them. I don't imagine it's a controlled amount. I've not read any high-level research on lactation cookies, so I think moms need to know what's in them. The only other substance that I've heard does help your lactation is actually beer. Now, again, we encourage women not to drink alcohol. So here's a situation where will a half a beer, and that's about the, the dosage that I've uh, heard and read about that can increase your milk supply. So what do you do with this dichotomy of you really shouldn't be drinking alcohol? Um, and on the other hand, it's something that might help you. So you can strategically plan, take an evening where you pump, and then you have that drink. And then if you're concerned, if you feel the effect in your system, then it will be in your breast milk. So that's, that's the situation with any substance. 
Um, and you can always pump and dump when pumping. For a mom who's got very little breast milk, that's going to be a difficult thing to do because it's precious like gold. So you really have to think about, is this worthwhile? Um, you can always delay the pumping a bit and then do a double pumping or a power pumping session uh, to kind of kickstart that. There will always be more things that come and make claims. And those claims really have not been proven through good quality evidence. Desperate people sometimes will do desperate things. So just be really careful. And if you're taking lactation cookies and they have some of these herbs in them that have been reasonably safe, Dr. Duman's uh, website has lots of information about so many things about making breast milk and a lot of the herbs. So I do encourage moms to read up on it. And that's a really good reputable place to go to find out about it. And if that's what's in the lactation cookies and you are confident that that's what's in them and you trust whoever it was that made them or where you obtained them, uh, then they, they're probably not going to do you a lot of harm. A lot of the recipes I've seen that I see moms making at home really just look like really protein rich. Like you were talking about, like the health food guide, those good plant-based things that are just going to help you overall. It, it may not necessarily help lactation. It's just a healthy choice. <laughs> and that makes a lot of sense is, is having adequate amounts of protein. Now we have to remember that um, we probably need only about uh, a third or less amount of protein than the previous uh, recommendations were, but a breastfeeding mom does need more protein because you're putting proteins in your breast milk. So good, healthy plant-based proteins are actually better used by your body than um, animal proteins. Are there any final thoughts that you want to leave moms and healthcare providers and partners, anyone who might be listening? What, what are the final thoughts you want to leave them with? Well, I guess the, the most important thing is focus on your baby and really Mom and baby, in, in maternal child nursing, they call it a dyad, but really it's a single organism. The mom and the baby need to be together. The more you're together, together the better. And um, I can't say enough about doing skin-to-skin -skin care. And there's ways to do that. Even with very sick babies, we can have moms leaning over their baby and exposing their baby to their touch and their warmth and their skin. Um, having the baby and the mom share the same organisms is really important. And in skin-to-skin, -skin, babies nuzzle on mom's chest and they share those organisms. And then the mom's milk actually responds to the baby um, by making milk that is appropriate for that baby. Um, so the immune properties in mom's milk actually mirror the organisms that the mom and the baby share. So it's really important to have baby touching mom's breast and putting their hands in their own mouth having the baby and the mom kind of, the more that you interact on a touch level with your baby, the more milk you're going to make, the more connected your milk and your baby are going to be together. And in the long run, you're going to have a healthier relationship. And it's all about that healthy relationship between moms and babies, more than it is about the science. I think that's a fabulous place to end our conversation for this episode. Thank you very much for hosting. Enjoy your babies. Live in the moment. Enjoy your children, whatever age they're at, and um, you will be better for it. Doris Sawatsky-Dixon is a healthcare consultant with more than 20 years experience as a lactation consultant and NICU educator. For more on the importance of breast milk, be sure to listen to our episode with Dr. Rebecca Hoban, Director of Breastfeeding Medicine at Toronto's Hospital for Sick Children. That was episode one. This is With You in the NICU, a podcast for pumping mothers and others created for the Canadian Premature Babies Foundation. I'm your host, Jenna Morton. Thanks for listening.
with you in the NICU is created to keep pumping mothers and others company in and out of the NICU. It is produced for the Canadian Premature Babies Foundation by Jenna Morton and Tosh Taylor. Financial assistance is provided through education grants from presenting sponsor Medela with support from AbbVie and Prolacta. You can learn more about the Canadian Premature Babies Foundation by following them on Facebook or online at cpbf-fbpc.org.